Hi everyone and welcome back to 20 Minute Marketing. I hope you're all having a great day today. Um, I'm excited to get started. It's a special episode because we have a landmark in that we've reached 10 episodes, so we are now going into double figures. Thanks to everyone who's listened, uh, whether that's to maybe five minutes of the first one or to all 10 so far maybe. I really appreciate it and the feedback that I've been getting. Um, Just to get started and introduce you to my guest today, um, I feel like we're slowly moving further west and west and we can't get much further west than Vancouver. Um, but today's uh, guest is Bryce. I'm going to let you, him introduce himself to you guys and give you a bit of a background about who he is and um, his marketing background. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so my name is Bryce Locken. I work as a digital strategist at an agency called GOAT. Uh, we are GOAT.co in Vancouver, British Columbia and Canada which I believe was recently voted the friendliest city in the world. No big deal. And <laughs> also is, is, it's a great flex. It's a very Canadian flex to say my city is super <laughs> friendly. What's yours do? Uh, and uh, one of the you know, three best places to live, uh, my, my agency, uh, we sort of work with uh, a lot of mid-sized companies that need to sort of uh, modernize, rebrand, work on their their web properties or digital presence. And then uh, my role is to sort of come in um, usually when that's done uh, or when that's improved and, uh, and kind of take over and say, okay, how do we now use digital marketing strategy and digital tools to, to reach your business goals? So I've been doing things of that nature, uh, marketing and business development for about 12 years now. And uh, that's taken me from you know, motorcycle dealerships to eBay to music stores uh, and to agencies now finally, which is sort of where I always envisioned myself. And I am, um, you know, glad to say I've spent the last year and a bit in agencies. So quite a varied and experienced um, background of all different types of companies. So it'll definitely be interesting to touch upon some of the things that you could provide from working um, in such um, diverse um, areas. Um, so yeah, let's get started and move into the main section um, in just a moment. For sure. Okay, so time to get started and have a chat about marketing in 2019 and current trends and things that are happening. Um, so I'm just really interested, Bryce, to hear about um, your experience in dig- digital strategy and uh, maybe some insights that you could provide um, working in-house and agency and how people can really nail that digital strategy, whether that's short-term or long-term. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think what I, what I find super fascinating about digital strategy and, and anything we do in the digital marketing space is that it's always tied down to the same principles that we've known for a long time, uh, whether that's about like human behavior or about marketing principles and messaging principles, strategy principles, um, so really when there's a problem, we, we always set out the exact same way, which is sort of like, what is, what is the business goal here? I think that each person in, in our agency and then each person in any different agency might have their own variations of these questions to get to the same root, root, uh, root answer. But it's essentially, so I kind of asked two questions about goals is what is, what are, what are your overarching business goals right now? So uh, those aren't always as obvious as they might seem. So, for example, well, is your 
if you're, is your goal actually to expand your business further? Or are you at the point where you're like, no, actually, we don't want more sales. We want to have higher quality leads coming in so that we can be happier with, you know, the, the clients that this business works with might be one goal for one, you know, type of business. Um, we would like to switch from this, this type of customer to this type of customer. Uh, we would like to have a better image publicly so that we can hire people who are better. And then generally below that first main goal or, or couple of goals, it's I always kind of dig into sub goals then um, that being, okay, so how can we then achieve each of these main goals that you've listed? What are some sort of um, what are some sort of little things that we can accomplish along the way uh, to make that happen? And what I really like about doing it that way is that when you put that in front of people, um, whether that's your own team or yourself or your clients, it's like, okay, we are all agreeing that this is the thing that we are trying to accomplish. And you can always pull your, you can always pull your performance indicators out of that. You can always pull sort of your milestones out of that. Um, because yeah, in the short term and in the long term is really scary because uh, uh, when you do things like a rebrand um, for, for a client, um, those are things that's kind of really tough to see like an immediate like, oh, cool, like this, this changed everything. Like it's slowly changing things in the background. It might take a while. It's going to be valuable. But if you've got the goal sitting there in front of them and like, hey, listen, remember, this is the thing that we wrote. This is what we're agreeing to. Um, I find that that really helps with it doesn't really necessarily matter the short term or long term. It's this is what we agreed to. The nice thing about digital strategy, though, is that I tend to be the one who's touching on both the short term and long term stuff that happens, because while while the design team is working diligently to do their their research on design and trends in the market and the company, um, you know, I can kind of be working and be like, hey, well, let's just get some YouTube pre-roll ads going. We've got some video assets that we really like. We've got some, you know, colors, fonts, messaging. Uh, so I get to do some of the short term stuff and the long term stuff. And I think one thing that you said in terms of planning that strategy that was good is you can start really um, quite open. So you think of something like maybe increase sales and then move down the layers about how you're going to achieve it rather than just say we want X amount of sales after six months or something like there's nothing wrong with keeping it very vague and wide. Yeah, absolutely. And what's really cool about that is sometimes you you can think about our, what ways are possible to do this. Um, the, the constraints of, of budgets are real. And that's something I really like um, about what I do is that there's always numbers to kind of back it up. You can always look at sort of projections for, for ad spend and say, okay, this is really cool. Like your strategy internally, maybe what you thought was, hey, let's increase sales by pushing every unit more, uh, you know, to everywhere in the world. I think about motorcycle sales, for example. Um, so, you know, let's sell more motorcycles by getting our motorcycles in front of every eye of every person in, you know, in the country. Whereas when you start to kind of take a look strategically, you're like, well, actually this one particular thing is what you need to sell more of for reason X, Y, Z. And these are the people who are actually going to buy it. So why don't we just really hone in on this one sub goal of let's move three dozen more of these in each of these major cities. And it just makes it really, really uh, a lot tighter, uh, a lot more defined. And then everybody's expectations are sort of the same with what the outcome is. And then, you know, as a strategist or as an agency or as at that time when I was an in-house marketing person, um, it's a big win when you say, oh, we actually moved three dozen more of these motorcycles in these three cities. Uh, you know, you don't have someone coming to me like, but why didn't we sell more in city four that's what i had my heart set on so yeah just just defining those sub goals has so many benefits 
And then I think if you get your sales team and, and anyone else on, in the business all on the same wavelength, then you all really know who you should be focusing on and how you're going to get your product in, in front of those people that need to see it, I guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that um, one, of my, one of my absolute favorite things to do, and it's not like it's a secret, but it seems like it's almost, whether it's time constraints, whether it's maybe a bit of uh, ego and superiority, like, boy, do I ever ask every single person on every sales team I talk to what their customers say, like every time. Like, what, what do your customers say? What upsets them? What makes them tick? Where do they go at night when they go home? What's their family like? What, what do they care about beyond, like, the thing that they're buying? Like, why are they buying the thing that they're buying? And what's really interesting is your sales team is the one sitting down and having these long conversations with the people who are buying your product or your service. They're the ones who are often having lunch with them or having beers with them, and, and they have such really – they have really keen insights. So yeah, I, I do love that. And then when you're giving that stuff to the sales team, when you're saying, hey, here's our sub goal there, um, you know, if, if they, they want to help and they care about the, the mission and care about the company, then they're listening for those little things. They're saying, hey, remember we talked about moving these units in this city. I was talking to a client who lives in that city and he said, you know, this is the reason they don't buy that because it's perceived as, you know, a, a very, it, it's perceived as too old school of a bike. It's perceived as too high of emissions and that's really cool. We now have some some data tied to uh, you know a sub goal and some insights. Um, yeah, I think it's it, you, your sales team is often typically underutilized, and they're there to get information from that doesn't always get um, used up. Um, it's and it's then, crazy. Yeah. It is crazy how you would not ask the people who talk to the people who buy your thing every single day yeah. what's what's happening out there. Like we can only take so much from a Google ad click or maybe a like on Facebook, but they're the ones that are actually pitching the product. Um, whether that's, it's, it could be days, weeks and months that they're speaking to people. For sure. And the other thing too, to remember is that if your sales team is, is like a relational salesperson, relational business development person, like they've sat down with these people multiple times and they've gotten past that sort of like formality relationship and you know it depends on what the business climate is in different parts of the world that might be speaking incorrectly for a certain country but you know generally when i'm sitting down with people by the time we've had lunch or drinks a couple times like i know things about their family and i know things about what makes them tick and they're far more willing to open up and be like look i just need you to know that like that first email you sent me was garbage it was embarrassing um, and you can't really get that, like you said, from a Google click or from like a first informal email. So yeah, I love, I love pulling from the sales team and it's something that we'll do quite early on in the strategic process is, okay, let's talk to the salespeople. Let's talk to the customer service people. Let's see what's going on in their world. Um, yeah, I think that's a great, um, digital strategy tip. Um, I'm sure some people have used it before, but for anyone that hasn't definitely reach out to someone who's on the phone, picking up calls or answering calls or making calls and find out what they think. And yeah. then in terms of maybe like content or that side of strategy, do you have anything that you think working really well right now or where you see the industry heading or, or what you maybe just enjoy doing? Yeah. So for me, one of the things that I've seen and I harp on this a lot is um, speaking from a small business world, small and medium business. So back when I was someone who was doing in-house, you know, marketing strategy or in-house digital strategy is you see a lot of sort of this treating content as a throwaway or treating, you know, social media as a throwaway. I think of them as very, very intertwined entities. So if 
I was to write a social plan, I tend to think about how are we writing content for this specific month, this specific event, this specific goal, um, and how is that going to be longer form and higher end. But the one thing I would say is that if a business is going to tackle content, like we have to get out of this mindset of like churning out content like there's no tomorrow and thinking that it's going to help us um, for a couple of reasons is you can write really good content for SEO. If you want to do your research, you want to use SEO tools. I mean, you can jump into a tool like AppSumo or, you know, uh, SEM rush and you can take a look at keywords and trends and content gaps and whatever. Um, but if you're doing sort of long form relational business and you're not, you know, anything but e-commerce or, or a really sort of inexpensive, low barrier product, um, your content has to be something that actually matters to the people reading it. And uh, am I allowed to swear on your podcast? Um, sure. <laughs> One of the things that we ask ourselves all the time is who the fuck cares? Like, and, and in, in an actual sense, like in everything we do, like who cares? It doesn't matter if we, the agency, feel really good about the content that we're doing. What really matters is, does this matter to the end recipient of the content? Is this going to be entertaining to them? Is this going to be value to them? And writing another listicle in this massive universe of top five reasons for this thing that's not specific to a role, that's not localized, that's not interesting, it's not valuable. It's just adding noise to this whole content marketing thing. And everybody else can keep doing it if they want, but we're going to focus on that high quality content, like that, whatever you want to call it, at anchor content, and then work on pulling tidbits out from that. Gary Vaynerchuk's content strategy is amazing in that sense, if you haven't seen it. Um, but, you know, Gary V, um, love him or hate him, does a really good job of getting sort of one block of content and then splitting it into these many chunks that he can use on different platforms for different reasons. So we think about that and then we think about high quality. Is this actually valuable and is this going to reinforce that this brand has like authority, knows its customers or whatever, again, tied to a goal with with the, the theme of the content. And I think, yeah, that's a good point because I sometimes I'm like, hmm, I kind of wonder what I need to write about. So I look on something like BuzzSumo and I'm, I'm looking down these articles that might have done really well, um, like how-to guides and stuff like that. And I'm like, they've all just been done to death. Like you, yeah. you, you can find 50 or 100 of them on, on Google or Bing or whatever. Um, and it's trying to think of something that might could arguably be the same type of content, just reshaped or packaged in a different way. Yeah, and, and I, I, one of the things that I, I kind of like exploring in that sense, and one, thank you for re-clarifying, it was buzzed to anybody listening, it is very early in Vancouver. Uh, my po apologies, everybody. Uh, <laughs> it was not AppSumo, um, so thank you. Um, but uh, one of the things that we think about is, okay, if content is done to death, then is there a way that we can reshape it for a specific audience is there a way that we can reshape it for a specific industry a specific job title within an industry because again if you're trying to do very specific things um write for those very specific people like think about the end user will they actually care so i would much rather put my time into writing an article called you know top five best practices for uh maybe students or yeah some, so yeah, yeah a like, different category of people yeah like what should motorcycle dealership owners know about content marketing 
versus content marketing for motorcycles? You're writing to that specific audience or what should a motorcycle dealership in lower mainland in Vancouver know? Because we have different weather, we have different emission standards in different places. And so when you start doing that, um, you know, I would rather write that article for three cities or three different job titles than write some big sort of lazy seeming almost thing uh, and yeah. just be like, I hope this, I hope this gets picked up by the Googles, but it, I pro tip it's not going to. And chances are someone like Forbes or the guardian or someone like that has already got it covered. And if they have, you know, probably won't beat them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then, I mean, uh, also, like I said, content, I like to think very, uh, you know, works very tightly with a, a social media strategy. So again, it comes back to this, okay, if I write this article, is it going on Facebook, you know, once and then once again, the next week is a reminder. And then once again, in three months, as is a kind of a common cadence, um, you know, is anybody going to care? Like, sure, there might be some SEO benefit for having those keywords, a couple of little backlinks from from different channels where it was shared a little bit. But um, you know, WordStream and Unbounce are two companies that, oh my goodness, their content strategy is so absurdly good. Um, where I hate the amount of emails I get from WordStream. But every time I open one up, I'm like, oh, you guys did it again, didn't you? <laughs> you got me. Now I'm going to read this all the time. And so I, I won't, I will not remove myself from their email list. I get annoyed every time I get an email. I open it up and I go, got me. You did it again. Congrats, team. Uh, and then I, I don't click on subscribe. I read it. And then I re-enter their funnel every time. And I see their, I see their ad automation working from the front end. <laughs> but that's how I like to think about, about content is, is when we're doing this stuff for our, uh, our clients now at an agency level, when this is part of the strategy, like let's think about content that way. Like do the, do the word stream version of whatever else you're doing. And it's going to take research and multimedia um, but if you're good, you can, you know, pull multiple little elements out of that as well at the end um, and use them for, you know, for different parts of your strategy, too. So um, there's a lot of sort of tertiary benefits to, to doing content at a really, really high level. And I think we've we've kind of kept at like a, almost a basic level. I wouldn't say too basic, but there's we could definitely dive down even deeper into um content in terms of platforms and strategy and timing and things like that um but the aim of this podcast is to sort of keep it short and sweet um so we are pretty much approaching that 15 minute mark i was just wondering if you had any sort of final suggestions for people that might be not have a strategy and might be thinking okay where do i start yeah it's um this is kind of one of those tough things where it's uh it's kind of it's so it's become so second nature to me over 12 years, but the, uh, the piece of advice that, uh, that I, I always give people that they see, that seems to resonate kind of comes back to the start and I can flesh it out a little bit, which is always work backwards. Everybody has a slightly different way of doing this. And, and depending on the campaign, um, you might be flipping a few of these little elements around, but again, it comes from kind of, so what is, you know, the overarching goal of the strategy uh, what are sort of the, the little sub goals, the, the smart, you know, goals, uh, S-M-A-R-T goals that we need to to do to get there. If you want to use that framework, um, very easy to look up. And then usually within a strategy, then you have a bunch of different sort of actionable items or campaigns. So by by breaking it down, just like you would break down any major achievement in your life, like 
you you want to start a business okay there there are a lot of little goalposts to hit um so when you break your your strategy down working backwards from goals you know to okay now we know what the goal is um you know who do we want to target and that specific group you know now we've broken our audience into whatever number of different groups how many different messages do we need what does the creative look like now we can take a look at our back-end research and say okay what platforms on there are they on or what do they care about or what are those people searching for if we're able to get that data so it really is just a matter of of not getting overwhelmed and working backwards i think that a lot of people um we People sometimes ask me what my job is, and I'm kind of like, a digital strategist is sort of the closest thing to maybe Don Draper that exists without the cool suits and, <laughs> and sales pitches. But really, my job is to kind of come up with those big picture ideas and then find ways to execute on them. Um, and it's really, really, really overwhelming at first because we all say, we all always say like, oh, I, I don't want to be like the junior guy who's helping to execute. Like, I don't want to be responsible for this little tiny bit of the campaign. If I took the bull by the horns, you know, blah, 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 whatever, you know, young Bryce said in his early twenties through late twenties. <laughs> um, but yeah, but when you do break it down into little chunks, whether you are, whether you're a business owner who doesn't know anything about marketing, but you, you at least know your audience well enough to say, well, who do I sell to? What do they care about? What is my goal? And kind of just breaking that down and working backwards, um, whether you are somebody who's super, super experienced and can do literally every part of a campaign, I can't. I, there are definitely certain things that I recognize aren't my strengths. I will offload those to very qualified people, uh, partners that we work with, because it's just in, in the best interest of the client. Um, you know, whether you can do them all or whether you can do very, very few, at least you can see, okay, here's what I can do as, you know, Mrs. Business Owner. Here's where I'm going to need help. This one might not be feasible right now. Let's kind of table that. So, yeah, I would say that in digital strategy, take a, a big, big, big look and then just break it down to those manageable, manageable chunks where you say, okay, big strategy. Part of that is my content strategy. Part of that is writing blogs about this topic. And the first step to getting there is let's sit down and write a blog about this specific topic. And let's just do a really good job. And then we'll call a photographer to come in. And you've now got part one of 100 of the strategy, but it's moving forward and it's all aligned to a common end goal. Of, of course, yeah. And, and doing that first thing and starting is sometimes the hardest part. But when, once you do start, you tend to find that the ball starts rolling pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, at, uh, at my agency, uh, uh, my, my boss has been a great mentor in the sense of saying, uh, like, you're smart, you know what you're doing, just start, like, don't overthink, uh, yeah. just, just get going. Uh, we do really good work, you have a really good team behind you, like nothing ever ugly is going to come out of our creative department, nothing is going to get by that has bad copy because we, we have these checks and balances. But yeah, same thing with strategy. Again, whether you're a digital, you know, whether you're a digital strategist, whether you're an owner, break it down and just start. Because like you said, once that first piece happens and you go, okay, whew, okay, we got this. Moving forward, what is the next part of this whole thing that we're going to do to get towards the end? And, and your strategy is going to change because no one can execute on an entire big long-term strategy in a day the market's going to change your customers will change you'll add new products new services you'll lose people you'll gain people and uh yeah and just kind of keeping uh, uh, keeping it fluid uh if you need to is is also something I, I like to keep an eye on it and check in yeah that's a great way to sort of summarize just get started <laughs> so yeah uh, <laughs> thanks yeah, for... one, yeah go ahead 
Oh, I was going to say, my, my first boss at my first big boy job had this, this really great banner on his, behind his desk, and it said, Con- uh, continuous improvement is better than postponed perfection. Uh, you know, and, and in, in the context of, of what I do and, and what my team does, that doesn't mean you get to start at zero and do a bad job. But it means that, you know, we're, we're not brain surgeons. And if it's 99% and then I can go into the back end and tweak, you know, one little spacing thing on a Facebook ad or we can rotate out the creative, uh, it, it's great to just get going and just keep improving. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, we'll leave it at that for the main section. And then we'll be back um, just for the final section about um, some graduate advice in a moment. Okay, everyone, just to finish off on today's podcast, um, this will be a really unique podcast episode for the graduate advice. I'll let Bryce tell you sort of his background and his story um, just in a moment. Um, But yeah, if you could just share with us, Bryce, sort of your experience in education and then um, how that's led you to sort of where you are and the advice that you could maybe give now to graduates that are below you or looking for a first-time job? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my, my education background is that I dropped out of college two times, not just one, two times about five years apart. So mm-hmm. the first time I dropped out of, uh, of all things uh, music pastor school, which is a very easy thing to pass. I did not do a great job at music pastor <laughs> school. Uh, I, was, I was really young. I was, I was 18 and I wasn't ready for school. Uh, if I'm being quite honest, I, I've never been a great student. And then when I was 24, I had already been in marketing for four years. I started to really feel my prospects kind of closing around me um, and kind of went, oof, like, am I sort of where I'm going to be forever if I don't go back to school? And so um, I, uh, I kind of took a stab at, at going back to school uh, actually here in Vancouver. Um, and I, I made it a year before between, again, realizing I'm not a good student. I'm not cut out for that. Um, I was actually working in marketing 75% full time at the time, already doing what I was. So I'd be you know, it's like quite stressful. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd be sitting there running like this. I was at the time doing a lot of social media and content. Um, so I'd be like running the social media for an international company like across the border in the states that did tens of millions of dollars a year in business while the marketing professor was like here's the four p's let's talk about that and i was like this is i can't arbitrarily sit here for four more years i've i'd rather just work um (laughs) so yeah i my advice to graduates is one um really take a super hard look at the skills that you're being taught like the theory is great the degree is super great. I'll never talk down about people getting degrees. I'll never be that guy that's like, what a waste. Just for me, uh, economically, being a very lone wolf, living in the city that I do, which is one of the most expensive in the world, not wanting to relocate for school, um, you know, just for different reasons, it, it wasn't for me. But regardless, I think for everybody, whether you are, you know, going to school, or whatever degree you're getting, um, think about what it is you actually want to do and ask those people, like, what skills do you actually use in your job? Because I can tell you that the marketing program that I was in, they weren't going to teach me how to use, um, a, you know, Adobe Premiere Pro. And every time I need to make an ad for YouTube pre-roll, like I have to jump in and, and you know, rejig existing assets for clients ads. You know, I, I have interviewed a lot of, of recent graduates for internships or maybe like roles at, at, at companies where I was doing the hiring. And the, the common thread just seems to have been, 
well, we learned all the theory, but not the practical applications. And some schools are now doing a much better job of you're going to leave here as a, you know, a Google certified, um, you know, you're going to leave here with Google, Google certifications. That great. That's great. But when you're in school, really look at what skills you're actually going to need. Um, as soon as you're doing projects, like every project, every, every job that you have, like keep your stats. Like I can say statistically that in my first marketing manager role at a motorcycle dealership, I cut our ad spend by, you know, $220,000, which was 50% and leads increased roughly 30% in that time. And when you say that to somebody, that's a lot more powerful than like I did marketing at this job. So yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. That, that's keep, keep your stats, like write them in a notebook, email them to yourself. Cause you're going to forget eight years later, what some of those stats were that were really impressive. Um, and then network all the time, like talk to people, have awkward conversations. I will say to people all the time and I'm like, I'm a grown ish man. Like I'm 31 years old. I'll say to people like, Hey, I really admire the work you do. Could we just go for coffee and kind of pick your brain? I have nothing to sell you, but I would love to know how you did this. And 80% of the time, maybe it's being Canadian. I don't know. People are very receptive. Uh, they're, they're very <laughs> helpful. So yeah, have awkward conversations, like fail, keep your stats. And if you're like me and you didn't graduate, you are going to be hindered. It's just a reality. People are going to throw your resume out far more than they're going to throw other people's resume out, skills or no skills. So you're going to need to be willing to take risks, move cities, which I've done three times and sort of just slowly work and climb that ladder and gain the trust of people. But if you work hard and, and dedicate yourself to your craft, um, that, that experience and those risks might even make you better than uh, what you do than some of your peers down the line. You know, if they, if they don't take those risks, because, you know, risk and change is, is very, very good for the brain once you can get good at, at managing it. Yeah, I think that's a great way to, to finish off in a sense that it, it doesn't matter if you go to the best university in the world, like Harvard or anywhere like that. If you put the work in, someone will notice it. Yeah, absolutely. Put the work in, be, be a nice person uh, as much as you can and be willing to have awkward conversations with people because I can, I can tie where I am in life right now to about three different awkward conversations out of 100 and they were well worth the jitters, so... <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to summarize and finish off right there. Um, so thanks for being an awesome guest, Bryce. Uh, I hope everyone has enjoyed the episode and continues to keep listening. Thank you. Thank you. you.